Welcome to my house. Welcome to the Structure Talk podcast, a production of Structure Tech Home Inspections. My name is Ruben Saltzman. I'm your host, alongside building science geek, Tessa Murray. We help home inspectors up their game through education, and we help homeowners to be better stewards of their houses. We've been keeping it real on this podcast since 2019, and we are also the number one home inspection podcast in the world, according to my mom. All right. Good to see you again, Tessa. Hey, good to see you too, Ruben. So we were we were just talking before the show and I thought, let's just let's just dig right into the show. Let's just hit record and start talking about this on the air a little bit. We were talking about our morning routines. And everybody's got their own morning routine. And I've I mean, I've changed my morning routine significantly since having kids. I mean, that made a dramatic shift. But I thought, what is your morning routine, Tess? What do you do? Well, you know, one thing you said that stands out to me said everybody has a morning routine and I honestly I don't think I I ever did have a morning routine. Really? Yeah, until recently. My morning routine was like set the alarm as late as possible <laughs> so that I could get as much sleep like to the last minute and like roll out of bed. I had my morning routine down to like getting ready in like 15 minutes, like throw on my clothes, wash my face, brush my teeth, like out the door. And this is like, yeah, this, I mean, I That's wouldn't even Well, I mean, it was just like, yeah, sleep into the last possible moment and yeah. then go. And it just depended on like what time I had to be somewhere when my day started. So it was, you know, a different time and, and all of that. And I mean, so it's kind of like starting my day off like frazzled, I guess you could say, <laughs> you know? Sure. And my whole life I've had to like, you know, wake up early for jobs and get somewhere by like 7 or 8 a.m. and and I am naturally not a morning person. So in the last year or so, I have been able to slow down. And, you know, since leaving Structure Tech, I'm, I'm working part-time and doing a lot of these other things. But I've had a lot more space in my days to kind of like figure out what works for me. So, so my friend had a sewer inspection done through inspection services. And she said that they found something that they've never seen before and that your dad and a few other people from Structure Tech ended up coming out to the house because of this finding during the sewer inspection to look at it. And what it was, was I guess a crack in the pipe and water was was spraying into the sewer line from below. And they weren't sure if this was like a problem with the water main. So they called the utility company and the utility company said, no, we think it's just like groundwater that because of all the melting snow we're having, it is, it, there's so much water underneath the sewer line, it's pressurizing and it's just shooting into your sewer line. Holy cow. So I've I saw the video. I've never heard of, of that before. Yeah, me neither. I saw the video and the sewer line is just filling up with all of this like pretty clean looking clear water coming into it. Wow. Now Tess, you know, when, when you were on the team, you know how much I would beg people every week to share photos and videos with me. <laughs> You're telling me about something that you heard about from a friend of yours, yet I can't yeah. get anybody on my team to share this uh, stuff with me. I'm begging him for these videos. Oh All right. man, that was a tangent. Well, Sorry. You know, this was yeah, this was uh, this was an inspection with Mike, and it just happened. So, and I know Mike is Mike is really good about posting content for he you. Is. So, I'm you sure know, I'll see it eventually. I might have yes. jumped the gun telling this story. <laughs> <laughs> but but lots of people having basement water problems right now. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And so, 
All right. So let's talk about what you can do. I mean, this is not roof water management, really. I mean, if it, it, it's a little bit of that, but it's surely too late right now. Everybody's stuff has melted already. By the time this podcast airs, we will have had 80 degree weather in Minnesota and yeah. the snow will surely all be gone by then. But the ground is still going to be saturated and people's sump pumps are still going to be going off. So what do you do to help make sure it's not coming back into your house? I'd say one of the biggest things to start off with is in the wintertime, what a lot of people end up doing with their sump pump. And you know, let me back up. What's a sump pump? It, yeah. Tess, you want to explain drains how, how does it work? Sure. Well, not all houses, but a lot of all the newer houses, at least here in Minnesota, have a drain tile system. It's this kind of perforated pipe that runs along the footings of your house around the perimeter of the foundation. And that collects any water from around the foundation underneath the house and, and takes it, dumps it into this pit, basically, that's below the slab. And this pit usually has a pump in it. And then that pump pumps the water that it collects from the drain tile out of your house. And it's really important to have, you know, a pump that's working and <laughs> and then, you know, an extension on this on this pipe at the exterior to get the water away from your house. If you're lucky yes. enough to have a house with a system like this, and there are houses that are older that people have added drain tile and sump pump later as a retrofit situation to resolve, you know, water intrusion issues in their basement. But a lot of the older houses around here don't have drain tile and sump baskets and some pumps. Yep. Yep. And so if, if you do have that system, it's important. I mean, it's important to realize wh where this water is coming from. This is all water that's melting into the ground and then it's finding its way under your house. And it yeah. would be water that would come into your basement. So you want to pump it out way away from your house. It, mm -hmm. If you have this stubby little pipe that just sticks out of your foundation wall, and you pump it right out there, well, you're, you're just kind of creating a loop. It's going to saturate the soil right next to your house, and it's going to yeah. drain right back down in the exact same system, and it's just <laughs> yeah. going to keep going over and over again. So you, it's really important to take that water, pump it well away from your house. So you want to have a, a big, long hose on there. However, during the dead of winter, you don't want to have this big, long hose running along the surface of your house because any water that gets pumped into there, eventually that's going to freeze and it's going to completely block your discharge and you could end up with a flooded basement. I mean, the first time your pump actually needs a kick on, the pump's going to turn on. It's going to try to push the water out of that system and it's not going to have anywhere to go. So something's going to give. Either your motor's going to burn out or it's going to separate one of the fittings inside your house and you're going to have a big old mess. It's, I mean, the water is not going to get to the outside. So people typically disconnect those in the wintertime. But now, now that we got this melt, you definitely should have reconnected it. Yeah. And I, I got a fun little personal story. I've got a, uh, a family friend who had a problem with her house. She was having some flooding in the basement. I went over to check it out. And on the outside of her house at, at the sump pump discharge, the, the typical pipe coming out the side of your house is a one and a half inch pipe. And there, someone had put a bell reducer on that, getting it from one and a half inches down to a garden hose thread. Mm. And the difference between one and a half inches and three quarter inches is not half. Because <laughs> if you go back to you know uh, grade school math to figure out the, the surface area of a circle, it's you do pi r squared or something like that. And it's 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 way more. I mean, you're cutting it down to like a fourth of what it should be when you get down to a garden hose size. So we're taking all 
all this volume and we're trying to squeeze it in this tiny little hole. But then to top it off, there was a a short length of garden hose attached to it. And it it went away from the house just a few feet. And the garden hose was completely frozen, everything in there. And the sump pump had kicked on as soon as things started melting. It tried to pump water out into this frozen hose. There's nothing going through there. So then the fitting inside the house just disconnected. It had the oh, slip. No. Uh, it had a uh, a rubber coupler on there, mm-hmm. and that thing just disconnected. So <sighs> I came over. I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll try to help you fix this." And reconnected that fitting for her. We turned the pump on, and instantly it disconnects. Water everywhere. I mean, it, it sprayed me. It sprayed the homeowner. We got soaked. And I went, oh, we got a problem at the outside. So then I, I, I wasn't dressed for it, which is why I didn't check first. But then traipsed through the snow in my tennis shoes to check out what's going on at the outside. I'm like, oh, yep, this is it. So ended up disconnecting the garden hose. And that was all I could do. I tried unscrewing the, the bell coupling or the bell reducer, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have a wrench with me and I couldn't get it. I said, all right, well, we're good enough for now. It's at least it's going out this tiny little hole. It's going right next to your house, Yeah, but it's better than nothing. At least your basement isn't flooding anymore. So I'll be back. And then I come back another time and I bring my wrench with me. I'm like, all right, we're going to get this bell reducer off there, put my pipe wrench on there, give a little crank. What do you think happens, Tess? Does the pipe crack? The pipe completely came apart inside the wall. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, this could not be any worse. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and, uh, I don't know. Luckily, I had brought along exactly what I needed to fix it. Like I had brought a rubber coupling and I had brought a short length of pipe. It just, I don't know how it worked out. Of course you did. Of course you did. Yeah. I just got super lucky. Like, oh my I, 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 I grabbed my wrench and I just saw this stuff sitting there. I was like, I should just grab this just in case. I don't know why. Something tells me to bring it. I was able to get it connected before the sump pump you know, <sighs> filled her wall with water. Oh but, my gosh. And then wow. we, just, we put a, a corrugated hose on there. It went out about 25 feet into the yard and that's perfect. And that's, yeah. that's all you need for now. So you, take care of that. Oh my gosh. Good story. You, you know, I was going to add to yeah. that. My, my parents had a sump pump that just discharged right next to the house for a while when they lived in Dubuque, Iowa. And I told them to get an extension onto that. And so they did. And they they took this corrugated extension all the way down to kind of to the bottom of the, the yard at the end of the house. But it turns out that the squirrels started using that hose as a storage place for their acorns. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> So the pump was having problems. My dad's like, I don't know what's going on here. So we went out there and we looked and sure enough, there were like a hundred acorns stuffed into this corrugated extension <laughs> pipe that we had to clear out for the for the water to start flowing again. So then we put a little bit of, um, uh, we wrapped the end of the hose in some sort of like, I don't know, what do you call it? Like a mesh thing, you know, to keep the- Hardware cloth or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. To keep the rodents out. And that worked Smart. as well. But yeah, check your extension extensions, make sure they're away from the house. And sometimes too, um, what can be a nice solution, it takes a little bit more work and a little bit more money, but to actually bury the the pipe that takes the water away from the house and have that extension below the ground and then have, how would you describe that, Ruben? Where it terminates outside of the house and then it dumps water into that. 
I think you did a great job of describing it and, and it's going to terminate at daylight is a, what yeah. a lot of people say. You want to daylight yeah. your termination. Yeah. It means, it means you don't have this ugly corrugated pipe running across your lawn that you got to mess with every time you mow your lawn and people tripping yeah. over it and all that. It's, it's a nice cosmetic upgrade to dealing yeah. with all that way more nuisance. And, and I totally mm -hmm. agree with you. I've done that. I I've, I have had that at every mm -hmm. house I've lived in. I had that when I used to live in Minneapolis, I did that just for my downspouts. So I wouldn't, so I wouldn't have downspout water dumping into the backyard. I'd have an underground system that took it to the front yard, did it yeah. at my last house. I, and somebody else, the previous owners did it at the house I'm in now. And it's a great way of doing it. And mm -hmm. it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, I did it at my last house when I was in Maple Grove and it took me half a day tops. I mean, it was a matter of just getting a shovel and cutting the sod, just doing one slit in the sod and then folding the sod over uh, about, you know, maybe an eight inch path where I fold the sod over and then get a little trenching shovel, dig a trench, lay down that corrugated stuff you're talking about pretty close to the surface, but it, it runs down the hill and then it terminates at the lowest point in the hill near some wetland area and then put the dirt back on top of it and then flip the sod back over or, you know, flip the grass yeah. back over. And I, I swear within a week, you could barely see where it was. I mean, wow. it just, it started growing back right away. So it doesn't have to be this nasty scar that destroys your yard. Yeah. It doesn't need to be super deep. It's really not that big of a deal to do this. You can do so it just I, a shovel. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. You know, initially when you uh, when you say something's really easy, it only took me half a day. I think, well, that's Reuben time for a normal person, <laughs> probably a day or two days, maybe even a week. But that sounds doable. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. really wasn't that big of a deal. And, you know, it's it's about getting the right shovel. It's going to be a really, really long, narrow shovel. It's like the long nose yeah. pliers version yes. of a shovel. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> long yep. and narrow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's good. good. Pretty digging trenches. What else would you say about for people that don't have drain tile, what sort of things can they do to help reduce potential for water? problems man i don't know this time of year it's like yeah. you've you've already it, it's a little bit too late i mean you've got all the snow melting around your house yeah once it gets nicer you can work on grading i mean making sure that your landscape directs water away from the house mm -hmm. that's a huge one but today i i don't know what you can what you can do tess I mean, here's one thought. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. That's what I was just going to say is if, if you've got unfinished basement areas, don't store stuff on the floor where it can get wet. Mm -hmm. And if you've, got, if you've got an unfinished basement and you get water coming in your unfinished basement, you don't need to freak out about it. It's not really going to cause any damage unless you've got stored stuff that it gets wet. Yeah. I mean, water coming through the concrete block, water sitting on your concrete floor, none of these things are going to damage the house. It's really not a big deal. I, mean, I know people's tendency is to freak out about it, but you'll be fine. It's only a problem when you get your stuff wet or mm -hmm. like you've got finished spaces, you get wet carpet, wet walls. That's yeah. a thing. I, I'd yeah. be concerned about that. Yeah, because of mold and and all those things that go along with it. But that's a really good mm -hmm. point, Ruben. I grew up in a house um, in Wisconsin that was built kind of on on a hill, and every spring snow would melt and drain towards the house, and we would get pretty significant water intrusion through the basement. And I remember it was like, okay, everybody get your mop. <laughs> 
and we'd head down and there would be like a a stream going through the basement Mm -hmm. and luckily it was unfinished but it was still i mean it it was a lot of work to like mop up all the water but the good news was is exactly that it was unfinished and we would just mop it up and let it dry and then it was fine yeah but nothing we could do. I mean, we we had gutters, we had good extensions on, we tried sealing all the cracks and gaps in the driveway and everything that could allow water to come in, but it was just it was clay soil. It was where the house was located on the hill and was the way the water came down towards it that there was like nothing we could do. Yep. Yep. And it's it's not the end of the world as long as it doesn't stay wet. I mean, the the only concern I think we'd have there is if a wall stays wet for a really long time, eventually you're going to get mold growing on it just from dust in the air. I mean, mold won't grow yeah. on concrete itself, but it'll grow on dust and dirt that's on the concrete. So yeah. eventually you can get some mold growing, but it's not a big deal to clean that up either. Right. I mean, because it's unfinished, you can clean it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. keep it clean, deal with the water when it does come in. Yeah. And if you've got a sump system, make sure it's discharging well away from your house. And I know we've probably covered this. It feels like a half a dozen times on this podcast, but we got to bring it up again. Make sure your sump pump is working. Test it out periodically. If you don't hear it discharging frequently, I mean, go in there, lift the float, make sure it kicks on and look into a backup system. If you know that you have an active sump pump, you need to have some type of contingency plan. I mean, maybe it's a simple $10 alarm. You can buy these alarms at Home Depot where it just, you got a couple of wires that sit in your sump basket. You do it somewhere close to the top of the sump basket. And if the wires touch water, an alarm goes off. Just lets you know your pump failed. If you want to go fancier, you could install a backup pump where you have a secondary pump powered by a battery that's going to be installed higher in your sump basket. So if your primary pump fails, you've got something else that's going to pump the water out. I mean, that that's an even yeah. better option. And that so might be something. Like you said, yeah. that's something to think about if your sump pump is going off a lot in your house. And mm-hmm. we've come across that frequently in the Twin Cities area, especially in certain neighborhoods where the water table is higher, where like I've been in an inspection where the sump pump goes off like every 30 minutes, you can hear it kick on. If your sump pump fails, you're in a lot of trouble. So definitely think about getting a backup pump. Yep. Think about that. And, and at a minimum, get an alarm Yeah. just, just so you know about it. So you yeah. can go down and panic and watch all okay. the water flood your basement. <laughs> <laughs> you you can at least do something. Yeah. Man, yeah, what would exactly. you do if that it's, happened and you don't have a, a, a you know a secondary pump backup and the water alarm goes off? Like, what would you do, Ruben? WWRD. Oh. What would Ruben do? <laughs> <laughs> well, personally, I I have a a little device that connects to a drill. It's like this little drill pump where you can connect a garden hose to either side of it. It's like a $10 device, maybe maybe 20. And you stick a garden hose on one side, a garden hose on the other, and you hook up your power drill to it and you pull the trigger and it pumps water through these the, the hoses. So, I mean, I would start with that and I would pump water out of my sump pump into the floor drain. Now, technically, technically, you're not <laughs> supposed to take rainwater and put it into your municipal sewer system, but emergency like this, I'm mm-hmm. putting it in my floor drain. You can yeah. bet I'm doing that. And I would pump all the water down as low as it needs to go. And then I would grab my wife or one of the kids. I'd say, you hang out here as needed, pull the trigger on this drill and pump the water out. I'm going to the store to get a new sump pump. Oh and, my gosh. I mean, I... I, I ended up having to change my pump out last year. 
I think I talked about it on this podcast. Remember I was doing a mock inspection on my house and I went to demonstrate on video how to, how to test a sump pump and my pump just buzzed. <laughs> like by, by just a freak occurrence, I determined I had a bad sump pump doing oh, a test inspection on my own house. So I ended up replacing it. And, you know, really, it's not a big deal to replace a sump pump. I mean, this How much is does like, it cost? This is a 15, 20 minute project. I, I bought a good one. I, I probably spent 200 bucks on it. Okay. You know, bought, a, bought a higher end one that I didn't want to fail. Yeah. So, and how long will that last? It's not a big for? deal. I think it may have come with a five year warranty, maybe three okay. year. I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. A few years. I, I might. Yeah, I might be confusing it with my garbage disposer. I just recently replaced that too. <laughs> well, the main thing is, I mean, it, a pump isn't supposed to last for like 10 or 15 years, is it? I don't know, Tess. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think a big thing is how often it runs. Okay. I think that's a big determinant of, of the life is how often does it kick on and off? Yeah. Yep. And yeah. the more it runs, the faster it wears out. That's an amazing emergency plan that you have. How many people have one of those little pumps that's powered by a hand drill? That's pretty cool. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> but, I know. But you it's it's a cheap it. little device. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll tell you, if I didn't have one of those, then I would be going to the store. My family, their, their plan would be, here's a, uh, here's a large pitcher dunk this in there and scoop water out bail it uh, out pitcher by pitcher y'all yeah. have fun i'll be at the store <laughs> <laughs> yeah classic classic yep well yep that would do it hopefully those are some helpful tips for people and hopefully there's some so. practicality in some of our uh some of our stories there for people that are dealing with uh water in their basements this spring yeah and if uh if we missed anything please write into the show. As always, you can always email us podcast at structuretech.com. Yeah. We'd love to hear your comments. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. All right, Tess, as always, great to see you. Good show. Hope this will help a few people with some basement water problems. Agreed. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.